welcome to episode 66. We are happy you're here as we march to the endgame. This game went from level 1 to 9 or 10 and took us about two years. We would have done it faster, but COVID was basically the worst ever. We tried for a high intrigue game. I hope we succeeded. My greatest desire is that people listen to this and decide to run their own games with political intrigue or maybe just nerd out with some fairy lore. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. All right, last time on Carrots and Suffering. Our heroes rescue the king and queen, but more pressing, Kylan Evans seems to have lost control of his lycanthropy and has to confront the people he sold into fairy slavery years ago. Silpha tries to help all these issues with magic. And then he, he just falls over, huffing and puffing, this little rat, like... <laughs> oh, you can't change back? The little rat looks up at you and it gives you a little shrug. Squeak! Jalen looks at Silpha and says, Can you help him? Silpha says, Yes, of course I can. She looks at the rat and says, This is... This is gonna be permanent help. She says to Silpha, Can you be Kylan for a minute? Silva takes a deep breath inward and is like, I don't love that idea, but I could. So Gail strides up and in one smooth motion, raises her hands up to Kylan's face and pulls his mouth to her mouth and a massive gecko tongue just rolls down your throat. King of Fenrir takes control of the horde of lycanthropes and sends Drossel, the fairy sage, as his diplomat to the fairy queen, along with our heroes, who also take Sable's dad along. So, when you step out of the tent, the king and queen have spent the same amount of time you were in the tent, basically talking to everyone and getting a rundown of what's been happening. When you walk up, they have Drossel with them and say, So you have a path to the gate and all the keys, I hear. Yes. Our friend Sable is there with them, as I understand it. Excellent. Drossel, you'll be our new ambassador until I can appoint one. Please head to the gate. And Drossel nods, and he says, Perfect! You've done well. We will follow Yennefer back out of the thorns. And I'll see to reinstating some of our past agreements so that we can get things under control. Drossel reveals to our heroes a piece of critical information. They don't have to choose between fairy or mortal, a factoid that will likely hurt the fairy queen's plans. They can't make you choose. You have to agree to the choice. So I just never made an agreement. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your dungeon master. I'm Sandra. I play Sable the Druid. I'm Mandy. I play Jalen the Rogue. I'm Julie. I play Silpha the Wizard. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and declare a long rest here. Yay! Uh, Yay! Which means let's transition into our talk about hitting level nine. So really quickly, let's go around and figure out, like, what does level nine look like for your character? Let's start with Jalen. Jalen, did you go fighter or rogue? I went rogue. So she is now a level seven rogue, level two fighter. She's up to 77 hit points, and she gained evasion, which is kind of neat, because when there's an area of effect spell, she can roll a dex save, and she can take half damage if she fails the save, and zero damage if she succeeds on that save. Cool. Cool. Dodge those fireballs. 
good defensive move. I think that's the only thing she got. Okay. Sandra, what's what's new on Sable's character sheet these days? Sable can now cast fifth level spells, which is how I am able to cast Awaken. I got some more hit points. So I'm now at 65 hit points. And that's about it. Okay. And Julie, what's new for Sylpha's character sheet? I had thought about multi-classing Sylpha into Rogue for the sake of simplicity here. I will take another level of wizard. So Sylpha will be a level 9 wizard. Nothing really exciting happens. More hit points, more spell slots, more spells. That brings us to the end of our rest. So... The world around you does move. It gets darker or lighter. It snows a little. The temperature changes. But you never really feel tired or hungry. There's something unusual about this spot. A part of time is not moving forward. The effects of time are not quite right here. But you now have all the pieces you need to open the portal. Great. And Sable, your spell concludes. So I have the agate ready. And when I have the agate ready, I will look up at everybody, I will smile, and I'll say, one moment. And then I'm going to walk over and awaken the thorns. Okie dokie. Let me take a look-see here. They gain an intelligence of ten, and the ability to speak one language I know. It can now move its limbs, roots, vines, creepers, and so forth. I'm going to limit, you're not going to awaken all of the thorns everywhere? Of course not. But I think you will awaken a big 15 foot by 15 foot patch as it shivers to life. And out of the brambles comes the common tongue, as it says, You have granted me that which was lacking, and so I thank you, creature. What can I do to be of service for your generosity? You are very welcome. You and your kind are an integral part of what makes our world. I seek to understand you better. What made you? Ah, we were given life by the magic that flows through this land when the agreement that holds it here was violated. I could sense its fracture, its desiccation, its desecration, and so we came, and we were born. And are you a singular entity, or are you many? We are one and many connected by the runners of the plants that we lay down, but it is possible to get cut off from the many. Do your runners run through the worlds into the Fey Wilds? Are the thorns there as well? Hmm. It lifts tentacles, bits of thorns that wrap into shapes, forming appendages, and it stands up as this roughly human-esque shape Sable looks so thrilled. <laughs> no face, really. And it says, yes, the thorns are on the other side as well, but different. All things in the fairy realm are different. And Drossel will chime in and say, it's a realm of dreams and magic and time. It's, yeah, everything there is a li just a little bit, just a little bit unreal. Have you been there? Drossel nods. Oh, yeah, yeah, a couple times. Have you met the fairy queen? Uh, yes and no. She wouldn't talk while I was in the room with her, but I've seen her in person, and she's, she's intense. Terrible and wonderful at the same time. Yeah, that's a fair way to put it. She says, well, Thorns, we are traveling 
through this gate into the Fey Wilds. It is our intention to meet with the Fairy Queen, who was part of the pact that gave you life. Would you like to meet her? Hmm. She will not meet us. We are a corruption of her power, and she pushes us away. I am not likely to be able to get close to her on that side of the thorns. But I've never tried in this form. Perhaps it could work. Where my kin cannot reach her, maybe I can. And the information that you have, the understanding that you have of your own creation could be helpful to us. Not to mention the powers that are natural to you could be of benefit to keep us safe as we travel. You are, in a way, my creator. You have given me that which is lacking, and so I shall come with you. Together, we will achieve your ambitions for a time. Thank you. And she turns around and looks at everybody else, quite pleased (laughs) with the whole thing, and says, the thorns will protect us. Great, Jalen says dubiously. The thorns, the living thorns, turn, sort of turn. There's no front, really, and gaze down at the spot where they were. And you can see the brambles starting to reach in. And it says, no, you will save me a spot. And the thorns back up. Hmm. Can you speak to your kin like that when we come back? If we need to pass through, would they let you pass? Perhaps. We shall have to test it. Let's test it. Will this one promise not to poke us with thorns? It is our ally. Great. Instead, it turns around and it plops a foot forward into the thorns and bristles. And you see the, there is a rush as you see the thorns shake and it shakes and the thorns shake and it shakes. And he says, they do not wish to move at this time. Thank you for your attempt. Not to worry. Come this way. And it walks up to the portal and stares at it and says, hmm. We have to activate it. I have not seen this device work before. Go ahead and activate it. I look to everybody. Are we ready? As ready as we'll never be. Sable says, let's go meet the fairy queen. We. (laughs) (laughs) So you can quickly place the items on their various pedestals. There isn't really much difference in the world, except that now when you look through the archway, you can see a mirrored version of the forest, only in it, You see, it's autumn, not winter. Everything has bright orange and red leaves, as far as the eye can see. The thorns are there, but they're weirdly translucent. And on the other side, instead of seeing yourself, you see an elven woman with very short little butterfly wings sticking out of her back. (laughs) And she tips her head towards you and does a come here motion. Sable smiles and looks back at her friends. Y'all are not sharing the excitement that she is, but... I mean, there's excitement there, but I'm not sure it's the joyful, Uh (laughs) anticipatory... I mean, it's more apprehension. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I I think Silpha is experiencing a cycle of different emotions. She is intensely curious to learn more things, and this is legitimately the first place outside of the thorns that we'll get to explore. But at the same time... She has this sobering knowledge of the dangers of the Feywild, so she's got some trepidation. She also, it's a place of time fuckery. Yeah. So she worries about the consequence of how time will move and what that means. Nate, Sable would have asked Helena if she wanted to come or stay. 
Helena says, well, I spent a great deal of time as an icicle. I'd prefer to stay, but, you know, if you wish, I'll go. No, no, please, stay. Should anything happen to us, someone needs to take over the circle. Okay, well, good luck. Thank you. Thanks, Helena. And then, glancing at both of her friends, she just gives a big grin and hops through the portal. <laughs> Mirkwood steps through after you. The portal shimmers. You don't see Sable anymore, or Mirkwood. Drossel says, okay, and steps through, and it shimmers. Sylpha gives her dad one last hug and a kiss on the cheek, and then steps through. Good luck, darling. Don't forget, you can always call, and it shimmers, and you're gone. Galen looks at Hanzo one last time and looks back towards Fenrir one last time, and then shrugs and steps through. You hear Hanzo say, I won't let anything happen to any of them, and you step through, and it shimmers. The three of you emerge from a mirror into darkness in a sea of stars in all directions. You've stepped out of a mirror and you can see as your eyes adjust the space around you, they're not stars, they're other mirrors. And they stretch indefinitely in all directions endlessly, up, down, left, right, and Way off in the distance, they're just, they become so small you can't really see them anymore in this just endless sky of mirrors. And then you hear from behind you, Welcome to the in between. And you turn around, and there is a woman. It looks like a lion with wings, a mostly humanish torso, and a feline woman f mixed face. Oh, Sphinx. And it says, the in-between does not get many visitors. The keys were hard to find. Mm. All those who transverse worlds pass through the in-between. Only the ones who can say that they are caught in between <laughs> can slow down enough to see the space between. By the gods, this is brilliant. You are brilliant. Look at you. And if she can, mm. Sable's going to walk all the way around her. <laughs> yeah, she has a shape. It doesn't quite hold in a corporeal way. It seems like even calling it a sphinx would be too solid for this realm. And it turns its attention to you all three at once somehow and says, I've been watching you for the time that you yourselves were in between. And I'm afraid when you leave here, you will have made too many choices to come back. But I would like to give you a gift. The mirror you wish that will take you into the fairy realm is there. And one of her cat paws points at a pretty close mirror. It's actually really close. It's right around the corner. And it seems to be leaning in towards you even. And she says, but before you go, here are all of the worlds, and all of the worlds, in all of the worlds. Let us find a gift for each one of you. Hmm? Follow me. Sable comes hopping back to her friends and she's like, she's amazing. Isn't she amazing? She Isn't this amazing? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Are we standing on something or are we standing on no. black like void floating. air? Okay. You're in floaty outer space and you don't feel the floating. And we can still breathe. Yeah, and you can breathe, yes. I mean, can you breathe? And you think about it and you realize you're not breathing. But, but it's it okay. Seem to matter. Yeah. matter. I think Sylpha is looking around, taking it all in, and in absolute wonderment. Yep. Because Sable has never been able to reach over and hug or touch people. 
out of excitement. She has learned to clasp her hands together really tightly when she gets excited. So her hands are all clasped together really excitedly as she hurries along behind this thing. First Sable, a mirror for Sable. You know, you remind me of Glindy. I, I, I do? Yes. She was also quite excited to find this place. I'm sorry, I, I, I hope that I am not offending in my joy. No, there are many reactions to those who discover the in-between. This mirror, I think, might suit you nicely. Gaze into it. I do as I am told and gaze in. In this mirror is another world. Instead of your reflection, you see a different sable. This one does not have poison skin. This sable looks like a vampire, maybe? Oh. The world is clearly perpetual moonlight and darkness. This is a world with no sun. And you see behind her endless wilderness and a gaggle of perhaps witches dancing around some sort of fire. And she says, hmm, perhaps this sable suits you. What do you think of her outfit? What is she? She's dressed like goth? <laughs> she is dressed in a bohemian goth outfit. You can describe it if you'd like, because you get the outfit. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah, bohemian goth would be like, it's all black and lace and frills. If anybody's seen American Horror Story Coven, if you think about the dark version of the nature witch who can actually bring people back to life, that's what you would see. So fringes and she probably has dark jeans that have flares on them and big earrings, a hat with a big old brim on it, choker necklace, bunch of silver, that sort of thing. And the cat reaches her paw up and touches the edge of the mirror and it shimmers. And then the sable in the mirror is wearing your outfit <laughs> and you are wearing it. Whoa. And then the, the mirror fades away and she says, there we are, a perfect fit. Will she be all right? My skin, it's poison. Will it hurt her? Hmm. You did not move into that world. Only the image of yourself. In the same way that she did not come here. There's a lot more sable exposed than there was before. She still has gloves on, but they only come up halfway up her arm. And then they've got fringes hanging off of them. But she's got a tanky top under that. And then this lace over parka. That goes over it. So yeah, there's a lot more skin showing. And you see her mouth. We see her actual face, right? Yeah. And she feels very exposed. <laughs> I believe the power from that hat will grant you a certain set of abilities. Oh, she touches the hat. So Sandra, this hat is a witch's hat. When you turn it upside down, it can create three potions a day. And those potions can be antitoxin acid, or the basic cure potions. Any potions or alchemical items that are essentially in the player's handbook. Okay. So three times a day, you can create a healing potion in your hat or an antitoxin in your hat. Technically, you could create alchemist fire in your hat, but, you know, good luck with that. You have to get it out, and it doesn't throw very well. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't come in its own little glass vial, right? It just appears no, in the hat. it just fills up the hat. It'll produce other liquids, too. Any liquids that you could feasibly find inside the player's handbook, including wine and water. But the really valuable stuff is the potions. Right. Cool. This entity that you, you think is a she, although given the nature of this place, gender is probably pretty fluid says, now, Sylph, I believe you're next. 
You know, soon you'll be able to unlock passages here all the time. I mean, not here, here, but to the other mirrors. You're quite talented. And she walks around and pulls your attention to another mirror and says, go ahead, gaze. Sofa gazes into the mirror. When you look in the mirror, there's a 1920s flapper society. Only it's they're not quite human. This version of Silpha seems to be a world where everyone's a fairy, but the time is all wrong, the technology's all different. And so you're much more mothier in nature, but this outfit is this almost garish party dress, but it's incredibly moth-like, butterfly-esque in its appearance and color. Would you like to describe your flapper outfit? Oh my goodness, I hadn't thought of this for a while. You guys didn't go to the portal anywhere near as fast as I thought you were going to. <laughs> yeah, it's been like six months since we were talking about this, hasn't it? So there's nothing about the outfit that I would describe as garish, but... Never mind, I'm describing the 1920s as garish. You describe it how uh. you'd want to describe it. <laughs> it's very different than something Sofa would normally wear because it exposes her arms and legs and... It's a 1920s flapper dress that has those sequins that emphasize the curve of the body and have a kind of pattern to it that's almost reminiscent of a butterfly or moth's abdomen. I can't describe it really well. That's fine. If we don't describe it really well and then an artist actually does it, we get variety. Sure. <laughs> and that's kind of a nice thing. That was Nate's subtle way of saying, somebody make fan art. Yes. Please make fan art of this moment in particular. Do not make fan art of Jalen naked in the sky. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, if you do, just maybe maybe don't share it back to us. That's a little weird. But <laughs> this moment is great fan art. They can share it with me. I mean, I don't mind that. True. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. That was an invitation, everybody. <laughs> Show me Jalen naked in the sky with diamonds. But it's, it's dark and festooned with sequins or, or glittering crystals and there's a, a little moth-like capelet to it and flapper shoes does it come with any headgear one of the hats or one of those bands i think it has to you know it, i want people to envision a 1920s flapper but with moth wings so the part of this outfit that is magical i think is going to be the shoes which means you don't have to wear the outfit all the time but if you wear the shoes you get to keep the magic benefits the shoes grant you advantage to performance or persuasion at parties. And it must be a festival-like event <laughs> with more than six people at it to qualify. It doesn't kick in until it's a party. <laughs> but when it's specifically a party, <laughs> you have advantage on performance and persuasion. I'm going to be like, hold on. Let me put on my party shoes. <laughs> <laughs> the social butterfly shoes. The social motherfly shoes. And she says, yes, it fits you perfectly. And again, the creature has touched the mirror. And again, your outfits swap. And again, the mirror fades away. Hmm, this way, yes. One more mirror for Jalen. Here we are. And Jalen, you look into the mirror, I assume? Yep. You see a version of Jalen, only this Jalen is from some sort of weird future. The architecture is like nothing you've ever seen, towering into the sky. The colors are wild and vivid in all directions. Everything seems to be made of glass and metal that you've never seen before. The textures are amazing. And there's a version of Jalen 
chasing someone in a motorcycle. Now, you don't know what a motorcycle is, but it's obviously not an animal. <laughs> it's some sort of metallic device on wheels. It's roaring and speeding down the street. And it's running after this even larger metal creation that the audience knows as a car. And we see you pull from some sort of holster or sheath, some sort of device, and start pointing it and moving your fingers. And loud explosions are coming out of the end of it. And she says, this one's fun. Would you like this one? What? I don't understand what it does. Well, you don't really get the thing in her hand. I can't move that into your world. Well, I can, but <laughs> it would be a violation of some serious rules. <laughs> but what I can give you, and she touches the mirror, and you are wearing from head to toe a leather biker outfit, including the helmet. Kindly describe it. This biker outfit is all leather and suede. It's got a waist-length leather jacket that's very fitted. And then the pants are suede pants, and there's knee-high boots. And this garter with a thigh holster. And everything is Art nouveau to the T. There are whiplash lines in this leather work that's just going everywhere. It's just it's, it's a decorative, turn-of-the-20th-century masterpiece of Art Nouveau. The lines are just intricate and everywhere and just impeccably placed. And on the jacket, it's all vertical up the lapels and there's a full back design. And then down the pant legs, it just that whole design just continues. So, Jalen, the part of this outfit that is magical is going to be the vest. And inside the vest are just pockets. At any time, you can pull something from another world oh, shit. out of your pocket. It has to be handheld. And you have to be able to name it. I can promise you there is no internet, however. <laughs> you will get no signal on any kind of phone device. Aww. But you have some sort of combat flak jacket, if you will, of pockets on the inside of this leather jacket. Okay, but she can't pull things like guns and phones and anything like that. You can't pull guns. You can pull phones. They will not be helpful. They just won't work, right? Does she have to know what it is? No, you have to describe the situation, and if there's a modern device you can pull out that would help you with it, you can pull it out. Okay. It's really good to get you a flashlight or a Phillips head screwdriver. Right, or a stethoscope or a... <laughs> yeah. So she has to think, I need something to help me with this situation, and... And it will try to produce And it will try to produce something to help her with the situation. ...modern item to help. So you can pull a gun, but it won't have bullets. You could pull a phone, but it won't get internet or Wi-Fi or cell signal or anything. But you could pull a small battery-operated device. Okay, yeah. and it will have the batteries in it? Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. You have three uses of this per day. Sweet. All right. Nifty. It's essentially a Swiss Army knife jacket. Yep. And lots of pockets. That's nice. And lots of pockets. It counts as leather armor, too, so you can still be wearing your armor while wearing this jacket. Great. Because it is effectively leather armor and in making this trade she's not giving up her weapons right nope okay great well it kind of looks like you gave up your weapons but when you leave out the other side of this portal you're still gonna have all your stuff great you appear to be in a world that's not super real all right yeah so i think when this trade has happened and she's gonna turn and put her hands on the list like, like check this shit out <laughs> awesome and the, this creature walks you to this portal and says well we will never meet again hmm but well, that's sad. 
Thank you for the gifts. Do you have a name? No. To have a name would make me no longer a creature that is in between. Mm. You have made too many decisions as you move forward to remain in the middle. Mm. Your companions used to be in the middle, but they have made too many decisions now. Their paths are too set. Well, thank you, weird lion winged lady thing. This has been fascinating and beautiful. Hmm. Just remember, all the worlds are connected. Perhaps as you pass through, I will wave, but I don't think you'll see me. And she gestures with her lion claw at the portal that you're back near somehow? <laughs> to the fairy wilds, I believe. All right. I think we're getting to go. <laughs> Let's do this. Okay. You step through. You arrive just a split second behind Drossel and Miav and Mirkwood and Thorns as they turn and look at you confusedly. And Miav says, I thought you went through the portal first. Side trip. Okay. Well, plus we're wearing radically different clothes. You are. Wow. Okay. Just still be careful. Don't touch me. Okay. Sure. Especially now. Miev turns around and says, what was that you were saying? And an, an elven woman with butterfly wings says, yeah, I guess I was introducing myself. My name is Lome Erelise Alakwa, but you can call me Erelise. I made an agreement with the fairy queen that I would serve for a year. In an exchange, she would let me out of the thorns. And she placed me in a spot where time doesn't move. What a sweetie. Yep. So, good news. We're going to go into a spot where time does move, because I have permission to take you all to the palace. Thank you. Right this way. So something that is true about the fairy wild that we need to establish here. The world is filled with thorns. As you look around, everything has this dreamlike edge to it. Nothing is as concrete or stable. And everything you look at, you really do feel has an intelligence. Every plant or bush, you feel like you could talk to it. It may not share the language, but you know it has a mind, and it's watching you. But all throughout the world, there are these thorns that are dreamlike and ephemeral. You feel like you could reach out and touch them if you really wanted to. Sable, your druid level is? Nine. Okay, and your charisma modifier is? My charisma modifier is, where is my charisma? At the bottom, one. One. Okay, you have a plus ten to manipulate the environment around you. Oh, nice. It will respond to your will, and you can push things out of the way or pull them in. It allows you to force the thorns back Yeah. in this realm. You can also change the texture of the grass, other little things. You don't seem to have a tremendous amount of power. A plus 10 seems to give you about 10 feet of light manipulation. So probably I figured that out by going, ooh, I really want to see what those thorns are like, and suddenly they come a little closer. Yes. And <laughs> Jalen shrinks back. They, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then you go, whoa, and they go back. Yeah. Silpha, your level of wizard. Nine. Plus your charisma modifier. Plus two. Plus two. Okay. So for 11 feet around you, you can have, produce a similar effect. The world responds to your abilities to manipulate the forces of, not nature, but magic, and you can push it back and pull it in. Jalen, I believe you have no caster levels of any kind. No. <laughs> What's your charisma modifier? Three. 
three. So for three feet, <laughs> you can give a good shove to things and push it back. I can, I can poke at things. Yeah, you could be walking on cobblestone instead of wet grass. But that's about it. You don't seem to have the skill set to manipulate this world well. I'll just go with the cool kids over here who can do lots of shit. <laughs> yeah. When Berkwood steps forward, about 20 feet all around him gets very cold mm. and appears to just die and freeze. And as he walks away from it, it reverts back to the autumn. And it's time for the mid-roll, and that means fairy facts. Today we visit West Africa with two fairy creatures. The Aziza are short, hairy creatures that live in anthills or silk trees, unless they're beautiful creatures with insect wings, which seems to be a modern development. These creatures are benevolent with magical powers that help hunters, generally speaking, get through the woods. Some legends have them teaching humans to use herbs as medicine, or even how to create fire. Another creature is the Yumbo. Another benevolent fairy creature, these are actually souls of the dead that have come back to feast. They're stark white from head to toe and about two feet tall. They tend to have corn and fish to eat and are happy to allow travelers to stay the night in their tiny furnished homes. As with most benevolent fairies, it's rare for them to have weaknesses, and unlike European fairies, these are far less mischievous and dangerous. Perhaps truly benevolent. Alright, let's get back to it. Alright, so the elf with butterfly wings, Erelise, has agreed to guide you to the castle. Your party at the moment consists of our three heroes, Lady Miev, Drossel, and Mirkwood the Heartrender, and a Thorns Golem. For one of a better way of putting it? Yeah, an animated... Awakened. Awakened pile of... Thorns. Terrible thorns curses. Mm -hmm. Who we're all probably steering real clear of, except for Sable. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't want to poke him. Yep. You don't want to poke yep. him. He pokes back. So tell us what the Feywilds look like. So the Feywild, you quickly ascertain, doesn't seem to have a north, south, east, west. It seems to have a colder, hotter. And you're in a place of perpetual autumn. There's... Light like there's a sun, but you see no sun. It's chilly, kind of like a, a late autumn day. But there's something very unusual about everything. It has this dreamlike quality where it all seems to have intelligence to it. Everything you look at, you imagine, is a, a half-alive dreamlike creature. And the peripherals of your vision are constantly fluctuating as you walk. There's a small aura around every one of you where your mystical presence asserts some force over this dreamlike state, allowing you to very subtly alter the terrain around you, warming the air, changing the lighting, shifting the textures. But this world is definitely not the one you came from. And Erelise, your guide, says, So, I've made a few trips down this path. Any questions before we start walking? Sable has currently crouched down next to some sentient bunch of flowers and is eyeing them 
she's careful not to touch them or get too close because she doesn't want to impact them negatively, but she is kind of watching them watch her. Yeah, you definitely get the impression they're looking at you. There's no eyes. I'll just whisper, can they speak? They rustle. <laughs> Jalen keeps, she's looking a little buggy because if, if things are happening in the corners of our eyes that are, we keep thinking we see things in the corner of our eyes and she was brought up to keep looking over her shoulder. And so I think catching glimpses of things, she keeps looking around. She's almost twitchy. Mm. And not real comfortable with this. Yeah, all the vegetation moves just ever so slightly like it has a mind of its own. There's no... No wind. Wind. It just seems to have this vibrant shifting to it. And then the last thing about the Feywild that is interesting is about 20 feet around you, which seems to be the result of being around your winter court emissary, Mirkwood, the thorns have been pushed back. And the air is chilling, and as you breathe out, you can see condensation forming in the air. But there is this dreamlike thorns ever-present around every corner. It doesn't seem to really encroach on you. It's not nearly as physical or as real as it is in the mortal realm. Your force of will seems to be able to hold it back. I'll ask, are the thorns here as dangerous as the ones in our world? Do you know? Eerily says, yes, they are, but luckily most creatures are capable of pushing them back, at least to some degree. That's good. Yes. Any other questions before we go? Silpha is taking in the scenery in kind of equal awe, because she has read about places like this, but never experienced this. This is truly our first trip outside of the thorns, and that's fascinating. If Silpha wants to roll me nature, you might just know some stuff about this. You also do have Drossel nearby, who is technically a sage of this stuff in particular. And he's been back and forth, he said, right? He's been here before. Yeah, it's been a hundred years or so, because he was stuck as a wolf, but yeah. I imagine on the walk to the castle, Silpha would have plenty of questions for Drossel. Uh, I rolled a six plus nine, so fifteen. The only thing you know about this land is some broad generalities. You know that the mortal realm where you're at, certain physical laws seem to be in place, and the world changes always through those laws. The Fey realm seemed to have been negotiated between the gods and the creatures that compose it. It does change, but only through negotiation. So with a 15, you know some basics. Time doesn't move here, or it does move here, but not in the way you'd expect. For example, you're in autumn, which is simultaneously every autumn. It will never be winter or spring or summer. It might be autumn now, or four years into the future, or five years in the past, at any given moment. It's just autumn. And that's how time flows. But yeah, it's weird. It's real weird. So, Erelise says, well, without further ado, she turns and steps off the stone platform that this arch is in and onto the path. Before we leave the platform, I did want to do two things. So Silva says, now that we're here, I suppose I'd, well, I'd like to send a message. And Jalen, Sable, I, I prepared a ritual to 
strengthen our bond while we're here. Okay. Strengthen our bond? Uh... Sable says, looking up from where she was walking slowly around a bush, that she reaches for it, and it kind of reaches towards her, and she's pretty amazed. And <laughs> I have learned a spell that could allow the three of us to communicate with each other in a similar manner to the way I communicate with Skrix, speaking to each other in our minds. Oh, that could be useful. Absolutely. Jalen does look at Drossel and says, is there any etiquette or breach of protocol in her casting magic here? As far as the rules of hospitality are concerned, hostility towards entities that have the right to be here is the only violation you can make, although stealing is also considered quite bad. There's nothing about this spell that should cause any concern. It might actually just be a really great idea because, well, the Fairy Queen controls even the air here. I'm certain she hears every word we say aloud. All right, I'm all for it. Sylva will invite the sage. Drossel, would you like to be a part of this? Oh, yes, please. So I think Sylva will limit it to herself, Jalen, Sable, and Drossel. She doesn't want to include Miav. Miav has a ring that will right. prevent the spell from working. Yeah, it, it just won't work on her, which you know. Or she'd have to take it of off, time. and then the queen would be in her head, and it would all be a moot point. Exactly. Yep. So Sylpha is going to cast the fifth level spell, Rary's Telepathic Bond, as a ritual. So it doesn't use a spell slot. Yay! Yay! Well done getting to a place where time doesn't move. <laughs> So you all have a telepathic connection. Julie, what is the duration on the telepathic bond? Time is bizarre here, and so your spell will last an indeterminate amount of time. I'll let you know when it fades. <laughs> Eight hours go by in five minutes. She's like, I imagine us standing around sending really stupid, silly thoughts to each other just to experiment with this. <laughs> it's only an hour. Oh, okay. It'll last until I tell you it, it goes away. <laughs> Sable is far too delighted to send silly things, so she is like probably at the beginning bombarding you with, <laughs> oh my god, look at this, it's just like this kind of tree, except that blah 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 blah, look at this grass, watch when I put my foot over it, isn't that amazing? Yeah, so she is sharing her true delight in finding this flora, and she hasn't seen any fauna yet, but boy is she looking. Nothing has shown itself. Jalen goes through the entire catalog of every curse word she knows just to think them and have other people hear her think them. You all learn at least three curse words you didn't know existed. <laughs> Silpha, was there another spell you wanted to cast? You send a message? Silpha then takes a length of copper wire and winds it around her, from her index finger to her ring finger and then puts her thumb and her pinky up to her face and speaks 25 words. This is the sending spell. This will be... A message sent to Leslie. She says, Survived castle, no casualties. Rescued king and queen, lycanthropy removed. Beware Gale, Jalen's mother. Entered Feywild, trap possible. Hope you got my letter. Do you get letter in hand, reading it now. Will monitor Gale, kingdom stable. Proceed with caution. Good luck. All right, Erelise has taken a step down onto the path. Nothing seems to change immediately. And she says, right this way. Yeah, I've already been off of that dais for a little while, looking around at things. and Yeah, nothing seems to change immediately. The world stays this dynamic, dreamlike state. 
and you start walking down this path. Well, by walking, you mean Sable is wandering off that direction and looking at things and then running back. And then she's very dog-like right now. It's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Ah! Oh, right, we're going this way. <laughs> wild druid, wild druid. <laughs> <laughs> so as you head down this path, you realize that there is sort of an overlay. The mountainous terrain in the distance in Fenrir is mountainous terrain in the distance here. The river that flows through Fenrir forming the lake in the middle of the city seems to exist out there somewhere. You see signs of it in the distance through the trees. You hear it sometimes. But distance is so weird. It's like there's more space here than there is there. Or maybe that it's shifting. Direction is very hard to tell. And you find yourself pretty happy that you have a guide mm -hmm. because the path splits and winds and you really don't know where you are. Do we get the impression that if we turned around and tried to go back to the gate, that that path would have changed even if we had a good sense of... There's a real strong possibility. Your sense of direction just is not built for this world. If you went to go back, we would have you rolling survival checks at disadvantage to get there. Sable might be able to get you back, but you should be very cautious. So an amount of time goes by and you find yourself a little discombobulated by it. it. It's like time isn't moving. It kind of felt like an hour, then it kind of felt like two, but the spell that lasts an hour is still going. The sun doesn't move. Your body doesn't fatigue. You don't get hungry. You don't get thirsty. It's just odd. I am so noting all of that in people's heads. We've been walking, God, for a long time, and I don't feel tired at all, and I bounce on my feet. So the way this spell works, is it we actually have to think words at each other, or can we convey impressions or emotions? So it's not like a thought-reading spell. It is as if you were consciously going to speak words aloud to another person, or speak words aloud having a conversation with people, and instead the conversation is, instead of the words being out in the air, the words are in your head. Yeah, Jalen's pretty rigid and she's suspicious of everything. She's just like, I don't like this. I don't like any of this. <laughs> this is wrong. Nate will add that you can choose to send or not send anything you want. And when you choose to send things, it can be images and emotions. I think that that makes sense given the effect that this spell has. Yeah, Saber would send to you, how can you not like this? This is amazing. This is unique. Up is down, and everything's shifting, and I can't keep track of anything, and everything that she wants to be concrete is not concrete here that she was taking for granted elsewhere. Sylpha is somewhere in the middle ground of those two experiences, excited to be in a new place and experiencing something instead of just reading about it for once, and at the same time very disoriented and out of our element. Sable's also peppering Mirkwood with questions asking what different things are called and do people pick them? Do people eat them? What happens with everything around here? Tell me about this world. So a couple of things Mirkwood would share. One, he does know all of the words to all of the plants. Oh my God, she's so excited. There is nothing here that is also in the mortal realm. Everything is weird and different. You learn a whole new vocabulary of flora. The other thing he can tell you is that people do pick things and do eat them. However, you have to be very careful to pick and eat the things that are negotiated to be edible. Otherwise, you're attacking something. So some things agree to be edible. 
Essentially, yes. And he'll point to some something that kind of looks like a plum hanging from vines on a tree. And he'll say, for example, those are edible. They are not considered citizens of the Fairy Queen's court. You can pluck them and eat them. I believe you'll find them very interesting. I don't think they have this in Fenrir. And he plucks a, a plum and passes it to you. Okay. This prompts some questions from Silpha to Drossel, because she's read various things about eating or not eating things in the Feywild. Does that bind one to a place? Is it like making an agreement? He'll fill you in a little bit and say, well, yes and no. So if you eat something that is not agreed upon to be food, which mortals are quite prone to do, then you have committed a crime against hospitality and can be subject to the judgments thereof. You may not want to eat something unless I directly offer it to you until you learn the ropes. Out of character, we're not getting hungry, you said, right? No. We're not actually feeling the need to eat. No, it's like time just isn't moving. So this one is okay, though? Yes. Chomp. <laughs> I take a bite. Sable, what does it taste like? It should taste like something that is not a plum. Pixie sticks. <laughs> oh, God. That's an option. Pixie stick tree. <laughs> no, no, I think it tastes like the way that I think that our world would imagine that a rainbow would taste, right? So it's got like a grape flavor for the purple. It's got a little bit of an orange over. So it's Skittles, it for the, Skittles yeah. taste the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, but not as sweet, you know, not anywhere sweet okay. as sweet as that. It still tastes like actual fruit, like something like fruity and not something that's candy. So, okay, you have a Skittles plum. <laughs> I pass it to, I guess I'll start with Silpha. Try it. I think Silpha looks at it and says, I'm not really feeling hungry. Well, that's not the point. It wants to be eaten, Silpha. Don't be rude. It doesn't help. <laughs> That's like the cow. This is like the cow at the, in the restaurant at the end yes. of the universe. Well, first, my, my flank is quite tender. <laughs> then I'll hand it to Jalen. You can pass the Skittles fruit around and get free smells at least. Yeah. Jalen will try it because she watched Sable try it and she doesn't seem to be choking and dying or being yeah. put on trial for eating. So she'll, she'll try it. It's a Skittles fruit. The texture's weird. It doesn't match the taste. The taste is weird. It's not like anything you have at home. But congratulations on your Skittles fruit. <laughs> As you're walking along, you see on the side of this path that you're on a small cottage with a small wooden fence. And in the wooden fence are goats, six of them. And a, an old lady who looks very human totters out of her front door holding a pie and says, Oh, travelers! And Erelise, who's guiding you, says, you shut up and get back in your house. What? what? Jalen raises an eyebrow. What? The woman says, that's rude. I just want to offer them some pie. And Drossel says, do not eat that pie. No problem. What is, what's wrong with the pie? She smiles at you and says, I could use more goats. Would you like to be a goat? No. No, no. <laughs> Thank you, though. But thanks for asking. Yes, well. Fine, have it your way. Stay with only two legs. How inferior. And she turns and closes the door behind her. Isn't she on two legs? It certainly looks she that looks way. that way, yeah, okay. Give me an investigation roll. Six. <laughs> Six, yeah. That's a two-legged person there, yep. yep. <laughs> a wonderful two-legged old lady 
dogging on other people having two legs. Sure. Obviously, <laughs> her pie is just a normal pie. Whatever. Oh, I know the pie is not a normal pie because I was told that mm-hmm. it was not a normal pie. It's a goat pie. making pie. It's a goat making pie. <laughs> so, yeah, as you walk by, you realize that the goats are trying to get your attention. Like, meh, 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 hey, meh. Hello, meh. goat. It turns and all of the goats run up to the fence and they're bawling at you. Mm-hmm. They have those weird rectangular horizontal eyes. I <laughs> they like do that. have the creepy goat eyes, yes. Because I don't think I will need it for anything else, I'll cast Speak with Animals. Help me! Oh, God! <laughs> she turned me into a goat! How do Get we help you? Get the hell out of here! How can we? I don't know! <laughs> you gotta do something! Everything's bad! <laughs> can this we is dis- the worst! <laughs> I ask Drossel, can we dispel this magic? Drossel says, she has the right to operate here. Oh. Dispelling might cause hostilities violations but they hate it well they shouldn't have eaten the pie are they gonna stay like this forever Mm, i imagine they'll still age like mortals oh are they mortals probably oh god maybe maybe they stay that way until they're turned into a pie we didn't find out what was in the pie no you did not i'll say is she feeding you the goats are like yes all the grass it's terrible (laughs) It tastes like like kale for every meal. That's the worst. Does she shelter you if the weather gets poor? There's no weather here. (laughs) Well, then you seem to be okay. This is awful. Get me out of here. (laughs) I I don't know how to. We'll come up with something. We'll see what we can come up with. Thanks. I guess we'll wait here. And the, the goats all hunker down at once, looking at irritated. <laughs> and you head down the path. Yep. Does Sable share this conversation? or? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, she already said, can we do something about it? I'm like, I'm pretty sure those were people. Jalen shrugs and says everything's about negotiations with them, so you'd probably have to negotiate for the goats. And probably something more to get them turned back into humans. Or just help the goats negotiate for themselves. I want to pause here. Negotiate. Negotiate. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I missed that. I missed that by a mm, mile. <laughs> mm. Oh, God. She's like, or help them negotiate for themselves. Yeah. I think they already negotiated their condition now by eating that pie. Yeah, but they might not have known it. And she yeah, she might have something to say. Who knows? But that's not our mission right now. And this is why we don't take candy from strangers. <laughs> don't take anything from strangers. Jalen looks at Drossel and thinks to him, are there any protocol standing on ceremony issues attached to the hospitality rules that we need to know? Is there a certain way to bow when we get there? I mean, what? Hmm. No. Politeness will get you many things, though. I recommend leading with diplomacy at all times. You know, make a fairy angry and they'll treat you poorly. They can't attack you, though, thankfully. I guess to answer your question more directly, I'll bow when we get there. Okay. You round the next bend, and the Fairy Queen's castle comes into view. It is a towering eight-story concoction. It has windows from floor to ceiling. Not eight windows indicating eight stories, but one window from ground to, to roof. And just this building appears to be massive. It doesn't 
seem to end or have appropriate proportions. And you see it's surrounded by this garden of all autumn-colored plants of different kinds. It's all reds and dying greens and oranges and yellows. And you can continue walking down the path. You arrive at this massive front gate, and standing in front of it are about 12 guards. They appear to be shockingly beautiful humans in appearance with massive silver spears and glinting silver armor behind this white stone edifice and these large wooden doors. And they file into two lines. You can walk between them, and the doors seem to open themselves. They part in the middle. And the the main doors to this place are, again, floor-to-ceiling, 25-foot-tall doors. They swing open, and inside you see a massive banquet hall and throne room combined. And there are these massive floor-to-ceiling doors that line the walls in all directions. But the room itself is this white marble with white marble columns with autumn leaves, ivy with autumn colors rolling up over everything, revealing this giant black and white tiled floor. And there is a party going on. Silpha, for the purposes of your boots, it's it's a party. There seems to be about a hundred creatures here. They all look like extraordinarily beautiful humans in really much more impressive formal wear than you've ever seen in Fenrir in your lives. You imagine it might look like this outside of the thorns in some opulent places. And sitting on the throne is a truly terrifying 12-foot-tall beautiful woman with giant rainbow prismatic fairy wings And there's a little trumpeter that goes off. You hear trumpets start blaring from around this great hall. And someone shouts, Introducing Sable Valeria Varathi Mirkwood, Archdruid of the Circle of the Moon in the Mortal Realm. And there's a long row of people tipping their hats. And her entourage. (laughs) And the announcement ends. Did I see where the announcement came from? Nope, Invisible Pixies. Okay. With trumpets. So Aerilee says, well, come on in. I give a flourished bow and grin back at everybody and then bounce into the room. Jalen gives a bow appropriate to someone in an entourage (laughs) and decides to take on this role and follows in her wake. Silpa likewise curtsies as she enters. Miev steps in and looks around. A single small trumpet goes off, introducing the heir, Miev. And the room gets very quiet. Nobody applauds. Oh! Writing that one down. And Drossel says, yes, there's probably a lot of politics going on that we're not familiar with. So just don't let any of it get to you. Roll in. It's going to be great. I ask Drossel, would it be appropriate for us to... Say hello to the lady before mingling. Mingle before saying hello. Just walk into the room for now. She'll tell you what her intentions are. All right. I walk into the room. So you get to about the middle of the ballroom. People have cleared out this space for you to walk. Good evening. Good day. Hello. Good morning. And then you hear echoing off the walls. The fairy queen's mouth doesn't move, but a a feminine voice rolls through the room and it says... Welcome to the five changelings of this generation. 
And Mirkwood, how pleasant to see the emissary of the winter court here. We shall now have a party. All doors are open to the guests. And the fairy queen's hands just lift about three inches off her armrests. And all of these 25-foot-tall doors just swing open, revealing this massive, sprawling palace. Wow. The grounds are yours to explore. We shall have a ceremony here whenever I decide. And then the fairy queen's eyes close, and the whole room relaxes. You can just see them all start to mill about again. And that wraps our show today. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson of My Pet Machine for our tunes and Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our logo. You can find them both on Facebook. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. What nefarious deeds is the Fairy Queen up to? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. Okay, I've got a waveform. Will this one promise not to poke us with thorns? It is our ally. Great. Because we need to be careful there, because I will absolutely anthropomorphize a penis on it if you really want <laughs> one. But... Thorny penis. <laughs> I knew the thorns were cats all this time.